Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is the Al and Lingy Show. Brilliant tap work, Gresham curling, curling! Magnificent all round! Oh, this is just a leap by Paddy Ryder. Stokes down low, Corey to Ling, and then Ling goes bang! And the captain, as he did last week from about there, kicks the goal. The plot thickens as Melbourne's position in the top four comes under threat from Brisbane and Sydney. Collingwood pulls off another amazing victory. What about Carlton? Are they still guaranteed a spot in the eight? And the captain, Patrick Cripps, is going to come under the scrutiny of the MRO. So much to talk about. Richmond, I reckon Cameron Ling just getting one foot in the door. I think they're going to play finals. The Dogs and the Saints are not totally out of it yet. But another very interesting round of football. Welcome to you. Oh, great to be with you, Al. Yeah, so much to talk about. It's, it's funny you say that about Richmond. A week ago, we were saying, oh, hang on, they're going to miss and we're going to end up with one of the probably the best teams in it, or most dangerous teams in it, missing the eight. Now I start doing the old beautiful mind numbers and I wonder if it's they're going to finish above eight spot and are they going to push a little higher than that if they can win their last two? Um, their, their footy is excellent and their footy feels like it's going to stand up in finals and, and it was a really impressive win against Port Adelaide. They did what they had to do. A couple of other teams stood up massively. Collingwood, huge. That Friday night game was unbelievable. I don't think Melbourne lost that many fans with the performance, but as you said, we're going to discuss where they might actually end up come the end of the home and away season. Um, and then Brisbane. Don't know. Bit to read into that one as to what, what that actually did for them, but as far as ladder position goes, they did what they need to do and Fremantle the same. Let's start with Patrick Cripps because that's a big talking point coming out of Brisbane's win over Carlton at the Gabba today. And, and Carlton's four more broadly, Lingy. They've won only four of their past 10 matches when they were in a position to challenge for top four and, and now have a bit of a fight to retain a position in the top eight. But um, that incident with Calamachi left him concussed. He had to leave the field and didn't return. What do you think is the likely outcome there? If it's assessed as it could well be as it won't be assessed as intentional because it is an acceptable thing to bump. So it's going to be, it'll be assessed as unintentional, but it could well be assessed as high, high. So that's two weeks. Yeah. What do you think will happen? Do you know what? In, in real motion, real time, um, watching it, it felt to me like it was Paddy Cripps committing to, because the ball goes high, uh, committing to going up to win the ball, realising at the last second that he's not there and turning and bracing and protecting himself, I think, first and foremost. And I thought, surely you're entitled to do that. And that's, that's a football act where he's just read the moment a little wrong and is protecting himself. And I thought, zero. I thought it's unfortunate for Kalamachi, but it's zero weeks. 
Then you watch it again and again and again. And you slow, and of course you're watching slow-mo replays. The fact that he leaves the ground, the fact that he is turning his body and it is a bumping motion. I wonder if all of that idea of he was originally going for the ball and was just protecting himself gets thrown out the window. And and you're right, that grading is um Reckless or whatever. Yeah, that, that I use the wrong word in unintentional. It's careless. Careless. High, that's the potentially one. high. It, it won't be severe. I, th- I don't think it's no. severe. Interestingly, <sighs> when I first saw it, Lingy, and I only saw it on a small screen, I thought trouble. And it's because he's off the ground and he does turn at the last second. Mm. Even if to protect himself, he still does bump. And then you have the outcome, which yeah. plays a yeah. part too. So it's quite foreseeable that Carlton could be without their captain and an inspirational leader for the last two critical rounds where they, when they are trying to lock away a top eight spot, they play Melbourne at the MCG and Collingwood at the MCG and could be without Patrick Cripps for both those games. Yeah. So, so I, th- I think you're right. First of all, with, because the outcome is that severe concussion for Archie, they absolutely boosted up when they, they, they claim it's action based. No, it's outcome based. If a player, if Archie bounces up there and he's okay and a little bit sore, but he's fine, he takes his kick and he's good as gold. Crips, they might, uh, they might note it. They might give him a fine, uh, maybe something. Whereas now that he's concussed, there's no doubt he he will get uh, he will get a suspension. I don't know how many weeks that will be, but let's talk if it is two L and the way. What does it mean? Yeah, the way they're going at the moment. So they currently sit in seventh place on the ladder with 48 points. You've got St Kilda a game back from them in ninth place with 44. So Richmond at two points back in eight. Yeah, and St Kilda with a, a vastly, well, not vastly, but a fairly significant deficit in percentage yes. at this time of the year. They would have to make up 8.5 percentage points on Carlton. So if Carlton were to drop their two games... And it's not out of the question by any stretch of the imagination. Are we talking a scenario where Carlton don't play finals? I think it's highly unlikely still, Lingy, but it's not something you could completely take off the table. And St Kilda's got tough matches to come, Brisbane and Sydney. The Western Bulldogs are a game further back and would need to win both of their matches and Carlton lose both of their matches. The Bulldogs are playing GWS at Marvel and Hawthorne at York Park. So it's conceivable the Dogs win both of those games and maybe win them well enough to make up a, a small percentage gap on, on Carlton. So I still, I'm still still 95% certain Carlton's playing finals, Lingy, but they're making it hard for themselves. Yeah, and, and as am I, Al, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think Carlton do, but the, the St Kilda games, yes, they are tough being Brisbane and Sydney. They're both at Marvel Stadium. Yes. They, they don't have to go interstate for those. So really... They've just got to – I mean, okay, we're still talking a scenario where Carlton make the finals. But, gee, what a horror finish it would be for Carlton fans out there with all the hope and enjoyment of this year if on that last round it was Collingwood beating Carlton. Goodness me. And knocking them out of that top eight. Uh, let's, Let's park the finals for a second. Their form is really concerning. I know they had a run at it in that last quarter and they, they played some nice flashy footy and got the ball moving again. And you thought for a moment, like, oh, hang on, have we got a little miracle on our hands here? But outside of that period of, let's call it 15 minutes of footy, 
there was nothing really going on for the Blues. And, and even their tiny little surge they gave during the game after the Paddy Cripps incident, where they seemed to fire up for a little bit, well, that just petered out immediately. So I think of even bigger worries, just the type of football they're playing. They were, yeah. they were awful last week against the Crows and really didn't give, give a yelp against the Lions today uh, until it was too late. What did you see in the Lions, Lingy? Their record at home is, is excellent. It has been for the last few years. The only game they've dropped at the Gabba this year was that match against Essendon when they were completely depleted because of health and safety protocols. So that's not an issue. There, there is a bit of an issue, obviously, winning away as much as they're a bit reluctant to acknowledge it. So last week against Richmond at the MCG, got themselves into a winning position, couldn't get it done, go back home, beat Carlton, a team that should be playing finals football based on the, the platform they've laid. What did you see in Brisbane today? Well, whatever question marks were hanging around Brisbane, they haven't answered them for me. They, they got a win, a good win. They played well, but it's still the same lingering questions. And I know Chris Fagan would get angry at me for saying this, but the question of them winning in Melbourne at the MCG, still there. The the massive reliance on Lockie Neal is still there in the middle of the ground. I, I think the game of Hugh McCluggage was very good. Um, Reese Matheson actually played his best game in a long, long time as well. Jared Berry was solid, but it's still Neal in the middle of the ground. I thought Oscar McInerney actually was, um, was played his best game in a while as well. It, it's If I'm going into a final and I'm playing the Brisbane Lions on the MCG... And I've got a player up my sleeve, um, whoever it might be, um, for any of the teams. And you can send James Harms goes to yep. Lockie Neal. If if I can if I can take something away, a couple of elements away from Lockie Neal, and you're playing at the MCG, you've got to feel supremely confident. That for sure, he is in for a torrid final series, isn't he, Lockie Neal? Because he is naturally perceived as being so crucial to their chances of winning a game when up against the best opposition. Yeah, no, and no doubt it, it, it so much falls on him. That forward line, I think, feasted a little bit. Um, one conclusion I can make is that Zach Bailey is a very, very good footballer. Such one of my favourites, Lingy. <laughs> one, unassuming, but so, so talented. Yeah. And whatever opportunities he gets, he takes. He is a, a wonderful footballer. And, but then the rest of that forward line, it looked really good, but often it looks really good at the Gabba. Um, and, and it works. And, and all of that. So all I'm saying is good win, Brisbane Lions. Lions fans, you know, enjoy it. And you're going to finish top four, I would say, the way it's all looking. But the same questions are there. And the big ones are the Melbourne form. And the big ones is the over-reliance on Lockie Neal. Answer those in September. And there's a premiership there for you. So that top four linger you talk about, they're currently fifth. So you've got this log jam, Melbourne has left itself vulnerable in third position and only with a slightly better percentage than Sydney with 56 points and Brisbane with 56 points. Melbourne and Brisbane play each other in round yeah, 23 yeah. at the Gabba and prior to that, St Kilda plays Brisbane at Marvel, as you mentioned. So that's no fait accompli that Brisbane's no. making the top four by any stretch. No, I think true. Sydney's actually going to be difficult to dislodge now from the top four. You still have Fremantle... Only a couple of points adrift, so percentage is not an issue there because of the draw with, with Richmond. But Sydney and Collingwood this Sunday, <laughs> enormous match. <laughs> enormous. How good, 
How good's the finish? How good is the finish? It's just it's- set up so perfectly. Oh. And and you talked about Carlton and Collingwood. We, we were talking about that eight weeks ago as being a defining game. And as we get closer, that it only the focus only narrows further on that that Sunday that Sunday afternoon clash. It does, and 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 I must apologise. You've pulled me up on it well. It rolled off the tongue. Brisbane make the top four, but I'd actually forgotten that it's Melbourne that they had in the last round on that Friday night game. That is uh, that is a huge game, and with huge ramifications. That is top four there, given what has happened yes. in Melbourne over the last little bit. So Which yeah, for Brisbane Lingy, yeah. Them playing home finals and getting a double chance based on the body of evidence over the last few years is absolutely crucial, isn't it, to their premiership chances? Yes, it is. But maybe as, as we look at that, they're not going to jump into top two. So is it is it the end of the world? An away qualifying final with a second chance? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, against that- Geelong? That, of course, is always the preferred one rather than finishing fifth and getting a home elimination final because you'd at least give yourself a chance of knocking off that top team, getting the bye or the rest week and then getting a home preliminary final. So, of course, that's the scenario that you want. But finishing fifth and the first final being at the Gabba, and it's not the end of the world. It, it's just a point in time the questions of how they play at the MCG need to be answered and how they can evenly contribute across the entire team in the biggest of big games against the best opposition. Those questions are there. Answer them or don't. And if you don't, it's another season where you don't hit the pinnacle. I'm surprised that there are still a few people prepared to question Collingwood, Lingy, after this sustained run of victories that they're on. They've won 11 in a row. They've won... 10 games this season by 11 points or less. They've won their past six by seven or less. So the margins are small and their percentage is is low for a side that sits second on the ladder to only have 106.3. But they keep on winning. And Friday night, if you look at Melbourne's performance when Petrarca and Oliver and Brayshaw and Viney and Gorn all had such an influence on the game and Collingwood still won, that was a mighty, mighty performance from Collingwood. It, it was, Al, and you're right. And it's it simply, I, I must say, I'm one who just thinks, well, the law of averages says they have to lose one of those soon. But they say stuff that. We don't yeah, have yeah. to lose one of that. And, and the way with, in which they're winning is the most contagious thing for people who enjoy football, and I'm one of those. I, I found myself just loving Friday night because of the contest. It felt like a prelim final on Friday night, that, that level of play and level of pressure and level of execution under pressure. Um, so it was huge. But the way in which Collingwood plays, they do not stop coming at their opposition. They're just at defending and scrapping and fighting. And then the moment they get it, they attack and they take the game on. The stats were, the, the, I mean, the stats are unbelievable, um, not just in the dominance from, Melbourne with contested possessions and inside 50s and everything like that. But when you look at the two distinct styles that were played because of the way both teams play and the way they attacked each other, Melbourne had more handballs than kicks. 201 kicks, 208 handballs. Collingwood had 217 kicks and only 99 handballs. So that is the old school. Yep. One handball, get it to somebody in a good position, kick, bang, up the field, move it. One person runs past, 
Hemp, there's one handball, bang, it's inside the forward 50, they're having a shot at goal. And, Lingy, it's not as if they have Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins as power forwards inside that forward line either, but they're finding a way of scoring with guys like Majacek and Elliott's form and Johnson. Yes. What an addition he's been. Yeah, huge. And, and Elliott looks like the player that we all had seen glimpses of and hoped that he'd get the chance to be with his body and that he's on fire. He's doing it all with forward line pressure and everything. And Ash Johnson's story is just remarkable. And what a clutch player he is too. He, he does not look like missing with his set shots and the crowd's roaring to huge moment. He doesn't care. He's just, nah, bang, I'll, I'll nail it. Jordan Ngoi played the type of game that... The type of game that if he sustains, yeah. puts him in the upper echelon of players in the competition. It, it is, it has all been way too premature, all this anointing him as the next Dusty and he's worth a million bucks a year. It, it's garbage on past performance. He's, he's shown bits and pieces of being an exciting player. That's it. But if he plays like he played on Friday night for a sustained period of time, then sure, sign off on sign off on what you have to, provided his off-field stuff um, lives up to it as well. But that was pure impact from Degoe. Yeah. 25 touches, eight clearance, like just great clearances, taking it on, bringing others into the game, using the ball brilliantly, hitting the scoreboard. Play like that, Jordan, and I will happily call you one of the best players in the competition, but you've got to do it every week for a long period of time. There is just a hint of... Richmond 2017 about what Collingwood's doing here, coming from outside of the reckoning, storming into the the top eight, but going all the way potentially. There's that window of opportunity for Collingwood because they're on this run where there's a belief and it's hard to quantify what that belief means. If you look at them on paper, do you think that they're the best team in the competition? You probably think, well, Melbourne's probably a better team. You probably think Geelong's a better team, but then... It's hard to quantify that that feeling of belief within a group, and and that's reflected in their ability to keep on winning these close games, Lingy. It's a good comparison you make because I still, going into that 2017 grand final, was, well, no, the Adelaide Crows are the best team in the competition. Now look at look what they've done all year. They're the best. Like, no, this is a nice story, but Richmond can't beat them. So, of course, I foolishly tipped Adelaide in that grand final, and Richmond absolutely ripped them apart because... Yeah, whatever it is that they captured, and this lightning in a bottle type thing, yeah. unity and 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 they all work as one, but they're also the, this the good players can really shine, but they everybody's doing all the work, and it's all just moving beautifully in this just such a such a connection between everyone. When you capture that, gee, it's a powerful force to stop. And right now that's Collingwood. And and I love it. I, I mean, I love Craig McRae. He's been the absolute coach of the year in my eyes. I was going to ask you that just very quickly because we can get bogged down in a debate here around this, but I think you can make a case for McRae. You can make a case for Chris Scott because yeah. he's changed the way yeah. Geelong's playing. You could make a case for Longmuir. You could make a case for Longmire. So yeah. would you land on McRae? Uh, no, actually, that's a good point. I would debate it between Chris Scott and Craig McRae. Two very different ways of you making the argument um, because I think Scotty's ability to keep a team at the top and now to take it, well, we're yet to see, but it feels like it's another lift again um, and playing with a different game style, embracing different things, 
De Koning down back, Atkins in the middle. That is an art form in itself to coach like that. Just as impressive as it is to take a team that field battered and done and spent and, you know, somewhere down the bottom of the ladder last year on this giant journey up the ladder. Both are super impressive in their own way. So I'd happily have that debate. Um, I'm probably caught up in just what the way that Collingwood plays. And yeah, I'm with you on that. Craig McRae's messaging and everything. I think his messaging and the way he tells his players to play is good for the entire competition, for the game of Aussie rules footy. Yeah, I'm with you. I I would land on McRae, but with a uh, highly commended, I reckon, to Chris Scott for the work that he's done this year so far. Melbourne, so you were doing the game for ABC Radio on Friday night. Did anything worry you about Melbourne? Obviously, the, the form that Melbourne's in is a bit of a worry, winning four of their past 10, like the Blues. Yet we still think Melbourne can win the Premiership. Is that shifting in your mind at all? Uh, no, I think they can still win it. I think they can still find that September finals form. They've got a contested ball team, so they can win. But yes, my big concern still remains about them. And it it started to take shape, you know, eight weeks ago, this, this little nagging thing of, gee, they don't score really easily. Or they don't, they don't, when they've got a game under total control, they don't blow them off the park with attack and it's only growing now because you go oh so that forward line so you know Clayton Oliver has 42 touches and Petrarca has 36 and Gorn has 31 and there's clearances and there's domination but that forward line didn't really look overly functional so it this idea of them being able to score really efficiently and easily when they have momentum in the game is now starting to become a big question around them. Um, that second quarter on Friday night, they they if you if you took from three quarters of the ground, exclude Melbourne's forward fifty just for a second, the rest of the ground, Melbourne completely dominated Collingwood and owned that quarter. It should have been twelve goals to two in that quarter. It was such a domination, sixteen to three in clearances. The inside 50s was something ridiculous. It was 20 to four or something. It was was crazy. But Melbourne did not score. They didn't pile those goals on and they didn't, they they could, they should have ended the game then and there. Half time, it should have been eight or nine goals deficit. And Collingwood were thinking, oh, we're a bit too far back this time around. But they don't do it. And in a final, you're only going to get small periods of momentum your way before the other team brings it back onto their terms. And if you don't capitalise on that momentum and really put the other team away with some scoreboard pressure, you're going to get beaten. And, and so that's the nagging question for them. Ben Brown's not locked. Sam Wiedemann goes out again. Bailey Fritch sort of relies on the ball, getting over the back a little bit. Cosie Pickett's had some wonderful moments this year, but, you know, how reliable. Luke Jackson, he's got all the potential in the world, but he's, he's not ripping games apart. Just, yeah, that forward line is where I put my big big red pen around Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the forward line for Fremantle hadn't really been firing of late, but they were able to kick the best part of 100 points against the Western Bulldogs and largely Lingy built off uncontested possession. The Bulldogs just didn't seem to take a man a lot of the time. I think plus 49 uncontested marks. Freo took 18 marks inside 50. And the Western Bulldogs, they've sort of teased us in a way. You, you sort of refuse to 
put a line through them because you know what they're capable of. But ultimately, I think the time has come now to put the line through the dogs and it's been an underachieving year for them. Yeah, I, I that was a head scratcher, wasn't it? Um, the, the dogs free game because I thought the dogs form was building and starting to build towards that belief of we can deliver. You know, we've been here before. We've made it into the eight in fifth or seventh or whatever it might be and had a run at it, won a flag from it, made a grand final from it. We can do this. And Frio was going the other way. They were tired and they, their young bodies looked, looked cooked a bit. They'd lost their speed on the outside. And it just felt like a bit of a nothingy performance from the dogs. I mean, I know they, again, they, they this is the crazy thing. Al. They still win contested possessions, the Western Bulldogs. Even, even in not a great game, they win it by 29. Mm. Which it's a good marker for them usually. Yeah, so so you win Bulldogs win contested possessions by 29. And yet, as you just said, Fremantle take 140 marks and own the uncontested possessions. Normally, if you're dominant in contested possessions, you've got the ball first of all, because you've won in the contest. And generally, if you're pretty efficient, you will then control the uncontested possessions because you've started with it. And you've got it to a teammate, got it to a teammate, got it to... And, and usually the numbers correlate at least a little bit. This is so far out of whack mm. that I, I struggle to put my finger on exactly what the dogs were trying to do other than win the contest. What, what else was happening on the outside? And I think Fremantle just played it beautifully. They controlled the ball. They, they used it well. They had some speed. They got into that forward line really well. Um, Rory Lobb, if they, you know, I've read some of the headlines. What a job interview for um, heading to the Bulldogs <laughs> next year. But um, he, he looked a million dollars. He looked fantastic. And that whole forward line just worked beautifully. And now you kind of feel silly questioning how Fremantle were going because it looked yeah. a really good performance. Well, they had gone lost, draw, lost their previous three. Now they've beaten the Western Bulldogs in Melbourne. They've beaten Melbourne in Melbourne. They've beaten Geelong at Cadinia Park. So mm-hmm. the quality of some of the wins that they've chalked up has been really impressive Freo. And they do remain in contention for the top four to finish the season. Fremantle Dockers play West Coast in the, the Derby. And then they have GWS at Monica Oval. So they should win both of those mm-hmm. games and could well win them reasonably comfortably so Fremantle can still push for for top four there's no question about that that was an important win and the Western Bulldogs I think if you look at it Lingy I've loved that they've started to play Riley West regularly he looks like he can play a fair bit of footy for the Western Bulldogs Sam Darcy's first game he was excellent it was great to see Jamara Eugle Hagen has without question had a good back end of the season where he's shown there was a passage of play where he harassed and tackled and, and dived to smother. Just those one percent, as he now does. I think Luke Beveridge has really ingrained in him a bit of the competitive beast that was perhaps not there originally. So there, there are signs. And Liam Jones coming to the Bulldogs will make a difference as well. So that doesn't mean they'll surge back up the ladder, but I still think the Dogs have the makings of a, a team that can contend again. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they make it this year um, with everything we went through before. But then I think their future is extremely bright. Uh, and, and it almost feels a little like, uh, I, think you're, I think Luke Beveridge kind of understands where, where the group's at. I, I don't think he saw, you know, play as though you're still trying to win and trying to scrape into finals. But it wasn't a, um, I, I don't think there was a real deep belief in the group that it could go a long, long way. I think he's got one eye. He's got an eye to the future. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see what happens with the Western Bulldogs. Uh, your Geelong boys are absolutely flying. Lingy, 45-point win over St Kilda. Patrick Dangerfield didn't play. That, that calf's been an ongoing thing for him. It looked to be right. Just a, His warm-up when he was doing the fitness test prior to the decision that he wouldn't play suggested that it wasn't anything serious. I mean, he was going at good pace. He was changing direction. It was just a little twin. So hopefully Danger will make a quick return. But 11 goal kickers again. So it's you, to use an Ed Langdon phrase, you're not a... You're not all duck and no dinner, are you? you you've got many options, Geelong, and um, this is like Collingwood's, uh, probably even more emphatic with their victories, Geelong. 11 wins in a row has really set the premiership has sold up for the Cats. Yeah, uh, and, and and this is talking purely from a fanboy here of, uh, of the Cats. I walked away, excuse me, I walked away from Saturday night's game with an absolute spring in my step because they were playing against a team that was playing for their, their season and were right on the edge and, and had to come down and put in this massive effort. So it had the danger game feel about it. No Selwood, no danger field, and no Mark Blitzarves. So three of their best players, most still most important players and really crucial on-field leaders, and they win by 45 points and just handle it absolutely beautifully. Didn't feel like a... A worry in the world. Max Holmes steps up and probably has his most complete game. De Koning again plays on Max King and, and just plays a, a brilliant game again on Max King. And there was this, there's this now sense for me that for Geelong to win the premiership, it doesn't need Patrick Dangerfield to have 40 in kick four in a final, like it might have three or four years ago. You don't need Joel Selwood to play the most inspirational captain's game he's ever played. It just needs an, a super even contribution from every player because they understand what their role is. They understand what their strengths are. They can support each other and they play with a real care and a real excitement for each other. So, I, yeah, I left, uh, left the ground on Saturday night um, feeling really good that they can put in that sort of performance minus those players they would normally or in the past rely so heavily on. Yeah, there's there's clearly a greater depth, and we've talked about just the the sheer way that Geelong is playing, the game style that that has changed in such a productive way. They've got no major issues on the run home. Gold Coast at Carrara, then West Coast at Cadinia Park as the the lead into another finals series for the Cats. And do I do appreciate the fact that Josh Kennedy uh, and congratulations to him on his wonderful career, brilliant career, and finishing it off with eight goals. That was unbelievable. Yeah, decided to not finish it at at Geelong in round 23. Thank you, Josh, because I was worried that he might have slotted eight against the Cats in the last round and <laughs> had a little upset. So he um he saved it for his home crowd and uh, and played a brilliant game and kicked those magnificent eight goals, even though they couldn't quite get the win. But um appreciate him not not doing it against the Cats at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean he, he has had a brilliant career. He's gone out uh, on his terms. He's obviously. Premiership winning Ford at the West Coast Eagles over 700 goals and, and part of that trade that got Chris Judd to Carlton all those years ago. So so hats off to him. He has genuinely been one of the great Fords for a long time. Josh Kennedy with Coleman medals, Premiership and won the hearts of West Coast fans and delivered for them so many times. I think it was the first time he'd kicked that many goals, Lingy, since 2016. I think that's the last time he kicked eight goals in a game. So... Oh, that, once, had... of, of course, he kicked 10 as well. 
He was a beast when he was up and going. Like when at oh, his yeah. best, he was lethal. Yeah. No, and the way that he used to launch at the, the pack marks too, and he was clever with his little quick leads that he'd get. And I, I, I was watching the game and, and um, the broadcast was showing some of him at his peak stuttering on the on the yeah. on the run up. It it was out of control there for a while. <laughs> it was so funny. I'd I'd forgotten how bad it got, but Somehow he just kept popping them straight through the big stick. Totally, and the fact that you could go from doing that to then not doing it anymore. Yeah, he was for the latter stages of his career. He was involved in float therapy, so he would go and sort of float in in water. He was he got all zen, and I think that helped prolong <laughs> his career a little bit. It was a, as a fantastic career. Um, I think the Adelaide conversation has been one that's played out right across the course of the weekend. It's not necessarily something that we need to jump into in a, in a big way. Adelaide will be pleased to get the win on the back of the performance against Carlton last week. So perhaps hasn't infiltrated the, the playing group enormously, albeit some players are still there and, and the version of events of what took place still doesn't marry up with the version of events pre- presented um, in such graphic and, and appalling and, Horrific detail across the weekend, Josh Jenkins, Bryce Gibbs, Eddie Betts as well going going back initially. So let's wait and see what happens with the Adelaide Crows. I think um, there is far more to play out here, Lingy, as there should be because yeah. gone are the days where you can wipe this sort of stuff under the, the carpet. And when a champion of the game like Eddie Betts is affected so deeply and then a player like Josh Jenkins who has gone through such personal trauma as a child is put through something like that. And, and the, the mere fact that Jenkins reached out on numerous occasions and nothing came of it, that there's a big failure there that needs to be investigated and, and there will be, I would think, repercussions from that. Yeah, and, and I hope there is, Al, very much. I mean, the Adelaide, the Adelaide Football Club let their players down massively uh, and, and that's first and foremost where it was, where it, where it lies. But also the lack of protection after the fact and the lack of a a really thorough follow-up and investigation and care and support after the fact is is what probably irks me even more. Um, My association, I'm a a former player, so therefore the Players Association is my association. I think their response to this is absolutely pathetic, Al. Even now saying, oh, this there's new information come to light via Eddie's book and we're going to do a an investigation we weren't aware of this at the time what a load of rubbish yeah that we, that strikes me as brand damage management Al, why were know. all these questions not asked at the time how have the answers changed josh jenkins says that he did continually yep. ask for for further investigation and and al who got who got interviewed how thoroughly did they get interviewed did every single player get spoken to um, in what setting? Was it a setting where they could actually feel like they could open up? All of that. That's what the Players Association is there for. You and I, Al, we work on the very, very periphery of, mm-hmm. of football. We, 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 we broadcast it. We enjoy talking about it. We're not at Clubland. We're not there. But you and I had heard the stories, anecdotal evidence of yep. what went on in that camp. Now, we, we chose to not repeat it often because we didn't know what was fact and we didn't know what had been embellished or what all of that, but it was all there. Every one of those stories was out there in some form being spoken about. 
Now, for the Players Association to come out and say, oh, this is all new information, we didn't know about this, that is rubbish. It was there, but did you really look for it properly? Did you ask the right questions? Did you ask everybody involved? I would say no. Otherwise, you would have got to these answers three years ago, not now. Yep. And then the denial of the club itself. The club clearly derelict in its duty and, yeah, has a lot of ground to make up based on what took place. It was clearly something that they just did not want to reach the public domain and they sacrificed their players for, yep. their, for their public image. So sad state of affairs, Lingy, and I'm sure there will be more to, to come out of, of all of that. Uh, are you with me? Richmond are going to play finals, and if so... What are they capable of? Uh, they will play finals and they are capable of a lot. <laughs> so if if we play this out a little bit, Al, just a, just a little bit. So Richmond, I would say they play Hawthorne, so they win in the next round. Then they finish Essendon at the MCG, so they win that one. So they're winning both of those games. Puts them on 54 points. I'd say they leapfrog Carlton and finish seventh. Okay. Oh, Most I don't likely think... looking at the ladder now with that logjam of teams trying to find a way into the four, Lingy. Collingwood and Geelong are going to finish in the top four. I think that's yep. pretty well established. Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane and Fremantle. So Richmond could play an interstate final. Yes. Elimination final based on that, I reckon. So that's, that's where I'm going with this is – I think Richmond could do a lot in these finals. Uh, you do not want to play them at the MCG in front of 90,000 crazy Richmond fans, especially if it's one of those Friday night or Saturday night games where the ball's just a little bit greasy. It's, you know, it's not a heavy rain, but there's just a, a little bit of moisture around. They're the best at that. They thrive in that and they can still play great footy in it. They probably win that. But... As you've just alluded to, that first final could be interstate against one of Sydney, Brisbane, Fremantle perhaps. They might be one and done and actually not get that chance to get on that massive run. So I think that's the only risk. As strange as this may sound, I think they could still be a sneaky, sneaky chance to win the whole thing. But they could also say goodbye week one because of just the way the cards fall a little bit. So. I think they're super dangerous. They're, they're, they're built for September still. Can they sustain it as well as they used to? Perhaps not. But gee, fresh Dusty who comes in with a little bit of a cameo here and there and has a game where he kicks a, a three and maybe kicks a four. Tom Lynch looks like he's playing good footy. Presti's Shea Bolton game. kicks straight. Shea, Shea Bolton is just right now at Goodness the top mate. of the tree. Um, do you really want to play them? Oh, I don't think so. I think there's a bit few teams who would be very, very nervous. Is there any way, though, Al, we could manufacture this where we could get a Richmond-Carlton elimination? Oh, my goodness me. (laughs) That would be going back to Carlton's last finals win back in 2013. (laughs) Lingy, yeah, that would be good. Melbourne, could they slip out of the top four and maybe play Richmond? That would be a a beauty. Anyway, we're getting miles ahead of ourselves here (laughs) because there's a fair bit to play out. Just give me a quick uh, thought on... Should Jack Rewalt play on next season? Trent Koch in 31 possessions. We haven't touched on that sling tackle, but I think the tackle on Wines is more likely to result in a fine 
than anything else. I'll just double check that that match review information hasn't come through. But give me a thought on on whether those two play on next year. Um, First of all, can I say one thing? I agree Trent Cotchin will get a fine, I would thought, for that tackle. If that player was knocked out, just like the Paddy Cripps one today. Game changer. It it, it it bumps it up. So, again, action versus outcome. You know which which side I land on that. It should be the action, but it's not. It's always the outcome. Uh, Should they play on? I feel like Jack is... He's still so smart. I reckon he would still, he, you've still got to have somebody really good play on him. And he, he's, a, he's a tricky matchup. He's lost that real spring, I think. That, But he, every now and then he shows it. The work rate and ability to get to every contest, maybe he's just dropping away. I think he could play on again just yeah. because of what, what he still provides to them. And he's still such a threat that teams have to pay him. So much respect. Um, I, I I never love a, a a top player to go too far past their prime, um, and and you have those memories of them. But I think Jack's still playing at a level that even if he played next year, um, it wouldn't be like oh geez, this is embarrassing. He's playing awful footy. I still he think would he still would contribute. Yeah, and even the very way he's found different ways to contribute over the you know the the selfless uh, period of his career, I would describe it where he changed his mindset around the role he was going to play for the team and not be so focused on kicking the goals himself, but be equally happy if he was just to create them. So I agree with that, Lingy. I think one more year for Jack and then he hands the baton over to Noah Cumberland, who's starting to show some really good signs for Richmond. And what what about Cochin? Cochin probably worries me a little bit more, Al, just because of the running required in the midfield, the way that he's played, especially the latter part of his career where he's just smashed his body around so much. I worry that the toll of that means that he can't run at the intensity in the middle of the ground that you have to be able to. You, you, can't, you can't just plot around the centre square and rack up possessions and just think, I'm a smart enough player, I'll cut a couple of angles here and there and I'll get my 25. Those days are gone. You've, you, to play big midfield minutes, you've got to be able to get across the ground and do it really well. So he's probably... A little bit more, I, I worry about him going on next year and, and because of his body. Um, but I also think a player like him and the influence he's had on Richmond and everything he's done, no, nobody can totally call their own future. It has to be a club decision for the betterment of the club. But I think certain people like that, yeah, it almost becomes a 50-50 conversation. And if he desperately, desperately wanted to go on and made a great case that he could, I think... I think on a list and, and it, as long as there's no salary cap, like real hurt. Yeah. Why not? I mean, we don't have to retire these guys too quickly. Um, They're retired a long time, Lingy. Yeah. And they've yeah. given a lot to the game. I, I, I think he will, it'll be a real tough year for him next year to play at the level that he would want himself to play at. But if he's, de- if he desperately wants to go on, sure. Another one. Why not? Why not? Good on you, mate. You're in a generous mood. Uh, Friday night football starting with St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions at Marvel Stadium. That's the clash live and free on seven for you Friday night. So almost last chance saloon for St Kilda. Brisbane needing a win to get its nose back into the the top four. Uh, The Western Bulldogs and the Giants on Saturday. The Crows in North Melbourne, Gold Coast and Geelong. 
Saturday night. This is a huge one, live and free on seven as well. Melbourne and Carlton. And then on Sunday, Richmond and Hawthorne. Sydney and Collingwood at the SCG. That's your 320 game on seven. Essendon and Port Adelaide complete the round. And that second Saturday night match is the derby between Fremantle and the West Coast Eagles. What does that mean, Lingy? 18 games to go. 18 games to go to work out who finishes where. And then we get into the business end. I, I honestly think this is the best season of football I can remember in a long, long time. Um, one, for the style of play. Two, for the permutations at this stage of the season. And just the, the sheer unknown of what's going to take place from here. It's brilliant. It, it ha- I'm with you on that, Al, all the way. And you're right about that style of play. Gee, I love the, the, this new, newer generation of coaches who want to attack more, take the game on more, open up the ground. I, I love that. But you're right about season. You've got Geelong sitting on top with 64 points, um, but then you've just got this massive logjam of teams that could finish anywhere in the eight. You've got the team in second place on the ladder with a worse percentage than the team in 10th place on the ladder. <laughs> it's it's magnificent. I can't believe we're at a point where there's only 18 home and away games to go. It's um it's been such a good season. I yeah, we we'll get into this more next week and and the week after as it shapes up. This is now the time because of the tightness of that ladder and the importance of where you finish and then obviously the four weeks of final. This is where legacies are made. And, and true greatness is captured. And, and, and I mean that by individual players as well as teams. I mean, we, as we now reminisce and we talk about certain players in 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we only talk about handfuls of them. Yeah. We don't go right across the board and talk about, oh, yeah, this guy played 62 games for this particular team. And, oh, yeah, he played a solid game in round 15. He did that. Nah. We talk about those players who stand up in the biggest of moments. And because of the way this season's unfolded, these next two rounds will have finals-like moments. And then we will have the finals. And some of these players can just make absolute legends of themselves. Yeah. And that's, this is the part of it I love the most. In the most special moments, the most special players shine the brightest. It'll be so fun. This is the jostling for position, and now the whips are really about to crack. <laughs> Can't wait to chat through it all with you, Lingy. We'll do it next week after the completion of round 22 in this remarkable AFL season. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Al. All the best. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.